0: all right all right que pasa calabasas that means pumpkins if you don't speak spanish but anyway it's dr jordan seda coming to you live from nyc are you ready to go to health and back all right let's get it
1: welcome to health and back a podcast
0: run by a physical therapist focused on fitness performance and mindset tools for success and now Here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. All right, so beautiful people, I am once again very fortunate to have a lovely guest accompanying me today, Miss Sophia No coming to us live from Los Angeles. Where I was telling her that I was hoping it was five o'clock there, so I could say it's five o'clock somewhere, and it gives me an excuse to have my glass of wine right now. But I guess uh, I don't need an excuse. But uh, Sophia, how's it going?
1: It's going great. How are you, Jordan?
0: Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing really well. Just uh, chilling here on a Thursday night, and there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. Um, But just to give uh, everyone a background, and uh, so actually, I should let you tell us a little bit about your background. So. I understand. So basically, we trained together in Capoeira, uh, Sophia and I, uh, and um, it's been a pleasure having her in our group or yeah, our group because we're both on the same group, (laughs) Uh, but I reached out to Sophia specifically because she is pretty established in her own business and aside from training Capoeira also is pretty avid in incorporating resistance training into her routine. So I thought that there would be a lot of interesting perspectives coming from her. So, and I love I love, I like, this is, I love it. the dog. Maybe the dog can be our next guest.
1: <laughs> Sorry about
0: that. Oh, good. I, I I love dogs. Um. Anyway, uh, so Sophia, tell us a little bit about your business, how it all started. I think our listeners really want to hear. Okay, so um, my
1: business. I I am an eyelash extensions artist and I also do permanent makeup with eyebrows Um, I've been doing eyelash extensions for a little over 15 years now Um, so I got started way early on Um, so I do that and I more recently um, especially during COVID I had some free time so I took some classes to learn uh, permanent makeup so I can do like eyebrow tattooing as well Um, also I do like financial advising as well um life insurance retirement planning so kind of a (laughs) jack-of-all-trades
0: wow you could be quite useful to me down the line especially for my eyelashes mainly for my eyelashes (laughs)
1: definitely
0: (laughs) i remember when i was in um i did a really stupid thing when i was in high school i let some girl i was interested in put eyeliner on me and for the rest of the day someone everyone was asking me if i was crying (laughs) Oh, no. I just had like such dark eyes it's, it's crazy the the childish things you do for quote-unquote love but uh, I can't, I've <laughs> had my eyelashes touched since then uh, but I do know that the eyelash extension and overall facial makeup and all I don't even know how to categorize that market it's pretty huge I know people who are getting into that themselves but what got you interested in in going down that that path?
1: Um, Honestly, I didn't choose it. It kind of—I was kind of forced into it. Um, when I learned, um, I was dating this guy, and I was working for the County of San Diego. And his cousin, uh, she's like a genius. So she went to this beauty convention in Vegas, and she saw a demo of eyelash extensions, and she's like, "I can do that." So she had her mom go to Vietnam and build a kit and everything, and she just started advertising it and doing it. And um, so we used to go visit her on the weekends because she had two kids. They were, I think, seven and nine at the time. So they just hung out at the shop all day. So me and my, at that time, boyfriend would drive up and just hang out at the shop and stay. It was in Arcadia. And um, one of the days she was like, you know, Sophia, you're here all the time. You might as well learn this. Like, it's going to be the next big thing. And I like never wore makeup, never dyed my hair, none of that stuff at that time. So I'm like, oh, no, it's not for me. And she's like, just learn it. If stay comes, you're Jenny. So she taught me hands on. I drove up to Arcadia every weekend for six months to learn. And then um, I ended up going, um, you know, I lived in San Diego at the time, so I tried to advertise in San Diego and people are like, what the hell is eyelash extensions? Cause they're so behind in San Diego compared to LA. So I didn't really do anything with it, but um, some of my sisters were going up to like Beverly Hills to get it done, paying like two, 300 bucks for a set. And I was like, I can do it for you. So I did it for them and they're like, oh, you're pretty good at this. So um, long story short, I ended up breaking up with that guy Uh, Had to move to Orange County to get away from that guy. And when I moved up here, um, my family was like, What are you going to do with your life? You know? And it was just me and my daughter at the time. She was like two and a half. And I didn't really want to work a full time job anymore. So my brother's like, Why don't you do eyelashes? Like, you're really good at it and you're in a perfect location. And so, I started looking into that, and then I went to beauty school, got licensed, and then just built my business from there. I used to, like, back then, Yelp wasn't a thing, so I was on Craigslist, like, going to people's houses and doing their eyelashes at their houses, and, like, sometimes the houses were kind of shady, so I'd be like, you don't hear back from me in an hour. You better come check for me at this address. But I've been really fortunate. I had a lot of support from my family. Um, and like the salon that I work at now, the owners are super supportive. Um, so I'm really lucky. Um, it helped build me to where I am today.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And yeah, 15, 15 years in the industry now. And I mean, I, I think from my own experience and from what I've heard, I guess just, would you say that the key to being a successful entrepreneur in your industry is just to be really good at what you do?
1: Um, I think that this, skill definitely does play a part in it, but um, you also need to be consistent with your results. Um, and you need to be, uh, for me, like my clients, um, they trust me. Like I, I'm very open with them about communicating. Um, even if you're not my client and you call with questions, it's never like trying to hide, you know, secrets of the trade. Like if another artist asked me like, what program I use to edit my photos or how did I accomplish this set? I always share the knowledge because I believe that you have to build a better community of better artists, so that everyone everyone grows and everyone um, gains from that. Instead of like just trying to keep the secrets to yourself. But um, I think a big part of it has to do with your communication skills. A lot of my clients have stuck with me like since the beginning. I have clients from like fifteen years now, and. Um, a lot of it is because I'm so open and transparent and my work is consistent too.
0: That's crazy that you've been working for 15 years. I thought you were 25. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, Yeah. So I, I, I totally agree with the sharing of knowledge as a physical therapist. I think it's very important to help, Because, you know, I think about if my mother were to see somebody else for care, I would want her to receive the best possible services. So I wanted to ensure that there's like this at least baseline uniformity in terms of quality of care and just, you know, I think it's pretty selfish and insecure to hide any potential insight you might have and I know I've been grateful to have mentors along my my journey so to not be that person for someone else it's uh, it would be a, an absolute letdown now i know you've been in the industry for 15 years and it, you said that you work at a salon so do you have any plans for the future like right now if you if you had to look into the crystal bomb like five years from now where is lashes by sophia going to be uh, how, what would you say
1: um honestly i really bad with goal planning and whatnot so i've just more recently got into that um i, I we're, off don't script have to, plans
0: we're off script people so it's a <laughs> tough question I put it on the spot yeah
1: um i don't really have plans of opening my own shop um i i'm really fortunate where i'm at and I don't really want to have to deal with like micromanaging and all of the stuff that comes with owning like a, a separate business. Um, but it, I mean, I'm open to it if the opportunity comes up. But right now, I'm happy where I'm at, because it allows me to still continue to grow and work on my other like side businesses as well. Um, but um, I do like, I do enjoy teaching. So I think like, Eventually, like when my body can't handle the strain of the work, like I would want to go into educating and teaching people how to do lashes, because I think like I have a lot of knowledge and experience to share Um, stuff that you don't gain from like taking a class for a weekend is like stuff that I, I learned throughout the years and that I built my business on from those experiences.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally feel that. I think that's a good segue because you, you mentioned that your body might not be able to withstand doing lashes for a long period of time. What I've learned being a capoeirista for even a relatively short period of time is that it keeps your body relatively fit and young for a while. So maybe if yeah. you're in capoeira, you'll be able to do lashes into your later years. So just do <laughs> throwing that out there. Uh, But I get I I mean, I'm ignorant when it comes to doing lashes, I've only seen the end product of lashes. So, I mean, people say that in regards to my career in terms of my hands, and you know, my hands being, you know, I guess, like getting arthritis and my fingers for using my hands, but I'm able to circumvent it in many ways, just with good body mechanics and understanding that you really don't have to push that hard in order to get a result. Um, I don't know if it's the same in your industry, but uh, that's how yeah, I, plan, yeah. I plan on doing it for doing this for an ex- a very long time.
1: For me, it's like um, physically it's uh, tendonitis because you're doing this pinching motion with the tweezers. Yep. So that like usually runs up my elbow, sometimes my shoulder and my neck. Um, the other thing I'm scared of is my vision is going to give out because mm. I don't use like magnifying glasses or anything. So mm. I, if anything, my vision's is going to give out before my physical.
0: Yeah, well, I hope you keep your vision because I want to start throwing kicks at you soon. <laughs> yeah, so, so segueing into throwing kicks at one another. So um, you've been doing capoeira for a while, longer than I have and so you've clearly been around but what what drew you to Capoeira
1: um my brothers and I we watched only the strong when we were younger so that was like yeah that was like our first time ever like seeing that we're like dude this is badass you know but back then there was no internet like you couldn't just search up schools and we honestly didn't have the money to attend classes if there were anyways but um I've always been fascinated by it since then, but I never really actively pursued it. And um, when my my daughter and my nephew, they're the same age. She's 17 right now, but she was, I think seven when she started, or 10, no 10 when she started. And um, I was looking for martial arts for her and my brother actually found a capoeira school near us and signed up my nephew. And so when they started training, um i was interested but i was more so interested for weight loss more so than to learn the martial art i just thought it was a great way to lose weight so i started training uh with that intent in mind but once i started training i kind of fell in love with the culture um like all the aspects that come with capoeira not just learning the martial arts and i kind of just stuck with it it's been like seven years now
0: wow seven years i I didn't even know that and that's (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, so mm-hmm. I guess so. since weight loss is no longer your primary concern and uh, what you're ga- looking to gain from Capoeira, what would you say has been the greatest thing you've learned by being a Capoeirista?
1: Um, I would say I was really uncoordinated uh, before and Capoeira has helped me a lot with my coordination. Um, also my balance. Um, I didn't really think it was, uh, making such a big, uh, effect, but I also do weightlifting. So my personal trainer has me do like, um, those single leg squats. (laughs) What are they called? Um, Yeah. I hate them. Right. So she like, you know, it, it's a lot of like your core muscles and balancing on one foot. And so, um, she said that I, I was really good at it, you know, for doing it for the first time. And a lot of the stuff that requires balance and stuff, I realized it's because of Capoeira that I'm able to do it, like, better than her or easier than her.
0: Yeah, I, I'm able to do quite a bit more than I ever imagined uh, in just... Now I've only been training for two and a half years, but even still, if you were to tell me, I'd be doing acrobatics and
1: yeah,
0: all that crazy stuff, which you know, little, little tangent here, but yeah, the other day I was uh, talking to someone who wanted to, you know, me to take a look at her back. And I told her I did capoeira and she's like, oh, it's that like dancey thing. Right. It's like, and, and like, it always, takes a I have to bite my tongue and try to explain to people that it's a martial art because I mean, I could see why people think it's a dance because it's been sort of glorified and yeah, and to appeal to the masses, all you see are like the floreos and acrobats. Yeah, and It really is a, a culture. It is a culture. I mean, I have, I speak way better Portuguese even okay. than I ever imagined from doing Capoeira. Pretty, my Portuguese isn't that bad, not going to lie. Um, and I'm singing <laughs> songs in Portuguese. And I think people don't realize there's even music in Capoeira and that, It was developed by slaves as a means of oppression of fighting oppression and when i explained that to them they're like oh i didn't realize that i'm like okay well do you want to step into the hoda with me and i'll show you and it's like (laughs) 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 but no people i'm a i'm a lover not a fighter so i'm not always looking to pick fights with people who don't know anything about capoeira i'm here to educate uh so no i'm not going to fight random people but anyway, you said that you do resistance training as well. So how have you been able to delve both resistance training and capoeira and make sure that you're not running yourself into the ground?
1: Um, I would say my first six months of resistance training, I overdid it. Like, yeah, I was just going all out trying to get, you know, lifting heavy and training cupola like five times a week. So I wasn't really giving my body a chance to rest. And uh, my trainer, she was like, you really need to have like more than just one rest day. So um, luckily, I guess for me, my body, I kind of got an injury that kind of made me slow down a little bit on my weight training. Um, I still did it, but we just did everything uh, in moderation, lower, lower weights and whatnot. And that helped my body to recover. And then I also um, kind of cut back on training. Instead of training five days a week, I was only doing two to three for capoeira. And then I would try to balance out the weight training on the days that I wasn't training capoeira. But it's still hard for me um, to balance it out because. It's like if I wait train on Tuesday and we have class on Wednesday, I'm going to be sore. So my kicks and my form sucks. But um, my personal trainer, she's, she's, uh, she's seen capoeira. She's seen us training at the gym uh, when I was training here. And so she kind of knows. So she's been kind of uh, fixing and changing my uh, program to where it's not going to hinder my capoeira as well because she knows that it's important for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think even for myself, who you know, many people who know my the size of my quads are si- sort of my my <clears> point, and I and I love the gym. It was a a tough pill to swallow, but a necessarily one necessary one for me to slow down. And uh, I only go twice a week instead of three days a week, and I've cut my overall volume down. So although it's not as glorious for me to like deadlift PRs at 400 something pounds. Uh, My body is grateful for for that now that I'm training Capoeira Mm -hmm. more consistently. Uh, I always like to ask my clients this question because for for me, the exercise I hate the most, even though I prescribe it because it is a great exercise, would be a Bulgarian split squat.
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Do you have
0: one exercise that you absolutely, like when your trainer asks you to do it, you're like, but why do I
1: It's. I would say that, kind of tops the list Um, those are just brutal (laughs) they're not kind of out there they're the ones that I if I see it on the program I might skip it just because I hate it so much or like slack off on it but um, I would say that and more recently single leg hip thrusters those hurt so bad So I would say all this single leg stuff really sucks.
0: (laughs) Yes, but as the physical therapist here on this call, I think it's important to work our asymmetry. So I I encourage all of you out there to do uh, single leg exercises. So although these relatively, quote unquote, suck uh, because they're difficult, or put a lot of strain on, I think they're, they're important. But as far as uh, us capoeiristas go, like we're essentially lunging and squatting all the time. So to mm-hmm. add extra lunges and split squats, uh, I actually don't even train them outside of capoeira because I think if I did lunges five days a week, my, my quads would really hate me. On top of the fact that I cycle most places here in New York and I live in a walk-up building, uh, I would be walking around with anterior knee pain all the time. Um, but yeah, that, that's cool. That's cool. Um, and you said, that you're, you said you're from San Diego?
1: Uh, so I was born in Orange County and we uh, moved to San Diego when I was four and I lived in San Diego until I was about 25, 26. So sorry. I grew up there, my home.
0: Okay, so... For everyone out there, where's the best place to get carne asada fries?
1: <laughs> oh, man. Um, there's, okay, so I go for different things, like tacos al gordo, I go for tacos, and I actually like their adobada tacos a lot more than the carne asada. Okay. Adobada is like al pastor, it's like the pork one. Um but for like burritos and fries and nachos and stuff, uh, I go to Salulitas is in Me- uh, Mira Mesa. They're, I think they're newer, but they have like this orange sauce that's like super bomb. Like you could drink it cause it's that good. So I, I like it there, but we go to Lolita's too for fries cause they do like the skinny fries with yeah. carne asada.
0: Fun fact, I did my internship in, in Mira Mesa in 2015. So when you said that place with the orange sauce, I'm like, I don't think that was there, but I've been to yeah. Lolita. I've been to Lolita's before. And that is, that's really exciting. My spot though was, um, I think it was called, I think it was literally called like Ocean Beach. And they had like Taco Tuesday. There was like one spot where it was like, first come first serve tables, but like their fish tacos were fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. And I miss Taco Tuesday so much. I miss carne asada fries. I don't know why we don't have them in New York. Um, I think it you would. Should also, bring them. I don't know <laughs> if they would last across uh, country. Oh, you mean me starting an establishment? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why people aren't doing that. Uh, but I have enough on my plate. All pun intended. Uh, hopefully. Uh, but if I if I do end up making it big as a entrepreneur for as a PT, I think uh, that will be on the table. Uh, yeah. But uh, so what else? I like to leave off every podcast with some sort of wisdom, and I'm sure you have tons of wisdom having been in your industry for fifteen years. But if someone out there is fearful of starting a business or just taking any risk in life what would you say to that person uh, if they're unsure of how to go about anything like what what would you tell them um
1: i would say um kind of map it out like what you need in order to start the business um map out like how much income or how much product you would need to sell in order to at least make it by each month. And also um, I've been reading or listening to a lot of like audiobooks. So one of the ones that I listened to today actually said um, about when you're starting a business, um, think about all the things that could go wrong in opening a business or starting your own business and plan out how you can avoid all those things from happening. And I think that's really great advice um, because, you know, that's what you're scared of most. And if you can tackle and face each of those things head on from the start, then you have nothing to fear when you finally open up.
0: Yeah, I think, and I never actually shared my story of how I started, but I was, I've actually been a business owner for, it'll be two years next month. So go figure. I started a business right before the pandemic, but someone was literally like, because I was, I was unsure. And he was like, dude, just file the paperwork and get your business going. Because the worst thing would be for you to start getting busy, but not have a business to actually run because you're waiting for paperwork. And here in New York State, as a healthcare provider, it takes extra time to get approved by the Department Department of Education on top of the licensing authority for businesses. So it took me like three months to actually have all my paperwork so imagine if I had like an influx of referrals but I couldn't like run a business because I had nothing I couldn't get I couldn't open like a business account that would have been terrible so your business doesn't have to be making money for you to start a business so if you're Mm -hmm. interested in starting a business just go for it because the worst thing that could happen and I do think they say like Either eight out of ten or nine out of ten entrepreneurs will fail within the first three years of their business. So the odds are definitely stacked against us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really just have to take a chance because I believe that regret is one of the worst feelings in life. So at least if you if you tried and failed, it's a learning experience. You know, granted, I think as Sophia said, there's a lot of calculated risks that need to be accounted for. Like you don't want to take food out of anybody's mouth. It, Unless it's your own, then you can make your own decision on that. I think I have some flexibility there where if I don't make money, I'll starve. And But, you know, I'll, I'll eat dollar slices of pizza here in New York because our dollar pizza is still better than most of the country. Cough, cough. <laughs> uh, so it's not, not a terrible life. Um, but a, a possible stomach ache on a regular basis.
1: The The other thing too is like, you don't have to like quit your regular job to start a business, you know, like you can, like, I slowly went into it. I had, uh, I I started out with full-time jobs and then I went to part-time jobs while taking clients on the side and while in school. And then, um, eventually I just went all on my own, but I, I was lucky. I had a lot of support from my family. So my rent was like dirt cheap. Um, so I was able to slowly build it up. But one thing I do have to say is, like, I hadn't risen my prices my prices in like ten years. I had the same prices for all my clients for like ten years, and um, and I wasn't really getting new business or anything for a while. Like, I had to go on Groupon just to try to lure people in. And um, it's funny how it goes because the minute I decided I'm going to raise my prices. And I checked the prices of everyone around me. And I, like now my prices match with the other businesses uh, around me. And I'm getting like so many new clients. So um, that was something that I, I feared a lot as a business owner. It's like if I raise my prices, am I going to lose my current? Or are new people going to want to come in? But actually, like once you build your clientele and they trust you, they're going to stick with you. You know, they know you're going to take care of them. They know you're not about, like, the money. Like, my clients know I'm not all about the money. I'll turn business away if it's something that I don't agree with um, or, like, they're asking for stuff that I don't I don't do not um, do because it's not good for their health of their lashes. So my clients know I'm not, like, money-driven, and I think that helps as well. Um for them to stick with you, because they know like, if they go to someone else, it could just be all about the money, even though it's cheaper, or they might not be consistent with their work like I am. So, yeah, you can always go in slow, but don't be afraid of like raising your prices or doing things differently down the line, because like it can have really positive returns from that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I actually raised my prices this year as well. And I was, I was joking with one of my clients because her pushback was that my prices were, and she actually wrote this in a review. So I, I was poking fun at her about it. She said my prices were ridiculous. And it's like, and that's even taking into account, like where my prices lie within the market, which is still relatively reasonable. I, well, even though that's relative, what reasonable is, but it's still, I think, pretty fair. So and and she definitely got the results, she was certainly happy enough to leave a five star review. Um, So I'm grateful for that. But to your point in terms of like turning business away and being consistent and like being an active communicator, there's one quote, I don't know if you're familiar with this to one of the OGs, Maya Angelou, RIP, Mm -hmm. uh, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I truly Mm -hmm. believe, um, I think that's why we connect with our capoeira professor. I think that's why you have a sustainable business as do I.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: So I always, I always love going back to that one. But anyway, uh, Sophia, do you have any last words for our listeners out there? If people want to connect with you, where can they find you?
1: Um, easiest way is on Instagram. My Instagram is lashes by Sophia with a P-H. Um, you can also go to my website lashesbysofia.com if you want to learn a little bit more about eyelash extensions or permanent makeup um, eyelash lifts Um, you can always yeah my number all my information is on the website and on my Instagram if you have questions or you need um, consultation or I'll do like if you send me a profile of a lash artist because you're not sure if they're good like I'll let you know if what they're doing is good you know so feel free to reach out to me about any of that, or if you need financial help. <laughs>
0: uh, you, uh, you left off with financial help. I think most of it, <laughs> any fi- I think any financial, I keep telling people, I think any financial advisor would look at my weekend spending and be like, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> like, you don't need to go to the bar across the street. And It's like, yeah, well, you know, you win some, you lose well- some,
1: I honestly I got into finance, finances because um, as a business owner, we don't really get 401ks and retirement plans through work. So I I didn't know what options I had available until I actually sat down with one. And then I was like, what? Like I could have done this years ago. And so from that, like I, I want to be able to help other people have that same relief and that same security for when they're when they get older as well so that's how I that's the only reason why I really got into it it's like the side money is nice but it's more so because I just want to educate people and let people know because like America doesn't really teach you about that kind of stuff in school
0: yeah yeah I've listened to a lot of entrepreneurs speak about money and the lessons that and how we're educated and it's amazing how Nothing about. I think I took like a. I took a business class in high school, and I think that's why I had some reference on what's like financially, like sound investing and what. And my parents, like shout out to mm-hmm. OG parents out there, and all the parents educating your kids. Um, but I do think uh, schools, if they were more responsible and had some control over curricula, that's for another podcast because I think yes. there are problems with many curricula across the country, possibly the world, but definitely in, in the United States, uh, I think real life skills should be in, in implemented into, into curricula. Nice. Uh, but it's nice that you're out there uh, trying to get people to have uh, better quality lives when they retire. Because I I think uh, I have I had, uh, an episode with uh, a woman who retired at age 36. And I think it's like, it's amazing to be able to do what you want when you want. And, you know, we all work hard. And I think we all deserve that opportunity to make choices because money doesn't buy everything, but you do have a lot of freedom to make decisions when you have it. Yes, definitely. Especially for me to open up my carne asada fry shop here. In, uh,
1: <laughs> I'll be but, your first customer.
0: <laughs> but seriously, if we get a petition going and you guys want it, I'll, I'll see what I can do because I, I literally... No joke, I don't think they have a place here that does it. I, I've looked, and, uh, I mean, it's hard enough finding a Mexican place that's not $10 a taco that's good, um, but they, they do exist, but it's like, our pizza's still good, though. Our pizza's still yes. good. Yes.
1: You know, I think carne asada fries originated in San Diego because we when my brothers moved up to Orange County, we used to go to the Mexican shops out here, and they're like, carne asada fries, and they're like, what what is that so they were like it's like carnison kind of nachos but with fries and none of the shops had it so we would like just order like a burrito and then just buy fries from jack in the box and then just pour it on top but then now like they're having more and more carnison kind of fries everywhere but i really think like that's a san diego thing
0: uh, yeah i mean uh you said jack in the box too I man we don't have jack in the box out here oh away yeah, we don't have jack-in-the-box we don't have in-and-out burger we don't have del taco we <laughs> we're, we're slacking out here but um
1: but you got white castle
0: not in manhattan but we do have white castle actually fun fact i'll be eating white castle next wednesday with my pops and my brother thanksgiving eve tradition where we all
1: nice pound,
0: we actually all pound a crave case together it's uh disgusting but it's been a a tradition for some time and uh, it's going to be happening
1: that's awesome
0: (laughs) anyway Sophia any parting words
1: Mm, no thank you for having me on the show such a pleasure talking to you and talking to everyone
0: yeah well the pleasure was all mine and uh, again I want to thank Sophia for her time and her insight and all you beautiful people get out there and make shit happen
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time,
0: and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door.